0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Capital Music, the United Nations Capital Development Fund, UNCDF podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas and new innovations that serve a mandate to make finance work for the poor in the world's least developed countries. I'm Eduardo, your new host, and you can find our Capital Music podcast on Apple, Spotify, or our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. The theme of season three is the road to Doha we will be exploring issues relevant to the LDCs ahead of the fifth UN Conference on the Least Developed Countries in Doha, Qatar in 2022. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Matthew Roberts Davis, CEO of ThunderFund. ThunderFund is a South African's leading online crowdfunding marketplace for creatives and innovators. With ThunderFund, entrepreneurs with their respective projects and ideas can raise capital and build a supportive crowd of backers for the process of crowdfunding. Thank you for joining us today, Matt. Thanks, Eduardo. So Matt, tell us about your background, what you studied, and what was your aspiration to working on sustainable development?
1: To give you a brief background, I'm from the UK. I didn't really get to travel much as a kid, but definitely I was into entrepreneurship. I was that kid who was selling stuff on the playground, on eBay, and really knew I wanted to be in business from a young age. And for no reason that I can figure out, I was also interested in Africa. So I I went to study economics. During my studies, I got the opportunity to join a ship as a a volunteer in Southeast Asia. So that was really the first time I got to interact with lots of different cultures. We were 400 volunteers from 60 nationalities. So really thrown into the deep end. And I just became fascinated to, to interact and to learn about how other people were living. And I knew that's something that I wanted to do. So I shifted gears from my corporate aspirations to social enterprise and development. So to explore that, I ended up working in Vienna for a while. Then I found myself in San Francisco. I worked at Kiva, which is an amazing nonprofit that's raised over $1.5 billion through crowdfunding for enterprises across the world. Just the kind of makeup of San Francisco and the idea that someone can really make a difference in the world, that's what inspired me. And I knew I wanted to take that and move to Africa. So I found myself a job in Kenya. I worked in microfinance for a few years. And then I found myself becoming more and more interested in crowdfunding and wondering why is crowdfunding not yet existing in Africa, yet it's such a big booming industry worldwide. And it's enabling so many individuals, organizations and entrepreneurs to raise money. How can we make this a reality? So I joined Mchanga. I became director there and then found a, a partner in South Africa who had set up a crowdfunding platform for African entrepreneurs. So that was Patrick Schofield and he founded Thunderfund. And so a year later, I took the reins, set up Thunderfund in Kenya. So it was now in South Africa and Kenya. And then Last year, we actually managed to launch it in the Gambia in partnership with UNCDF. And so I'm based in Nairobi and I'm frequently traveling between the different countries of operation. And yeah, that's basically how I found myself to be in this space.
0: Wow. So interesting, Matt. So basically right now with Thunder Fund, you are able to travel to many your cultures and also bring in a different perspectives to the work that you do. So for those among our audience that may not necessarily know much about Thunderfund. How would you describe it and what do you think makes it so unique? So there's, there's lots of
1: crowdfunding platforms in existence around the world. So maybe you've interacted with Kickstarter, Indiegogo, one of those international platforms. What makes Thunderfund unique is really we're targeting African entrepreneurs and African creatives. Rather than looking for the new project that's raising millions of dollars, we're actually excited about those businesses that just need a few hundred or a few thousand dollars that can really help them to get started and to grow and to hire staff and all those things. So we're trying to target the missing middle and to do that, our approach is not to have the latest technology, but to look at local tech, such as mobile optimization and also local operations, such as having a network of field agents and actors who can support this network and this community of entrepreneurs and individuals who are able to support them. So in a quick sentence, it's a two-sided marketplace. On one side, you have businesses who are raising funds and on the other side, you have individuals from around the world who are willing and
0: able to, to fund the businesses. Wow. Yeah. So basically connecting both ends of the spectrum and from how you described it, I think it's also very good because it brings in certain perspectives to the business, so it's not something that is imposed from external stakeholders or external partners, but really trying to sit aside and really come together with those innovators and trying to make their ideas into realities. reality. So since you're based now in Nairobi. Can you tell us a little bit more about how it's like to have a thriving business in Africa, and what are the unique features or lessons learned that you may like to share with us today?
1: I've lived in Nairobi just over six years now. I can say it's changed a lot in that short space of time. I've seen how the African tech scene has really been growing quickly and making big changes all around us. To be part of the ecosystem, it's exciting. People always ask me why Africa and They're coming from a place of that false narrative of negativity that comes with Africa. But in reality, it's a very exciting place to work. It's full of opportunities. There's some amazing people, some amazing surroundings. And to be in the heart of innovation where really through technology, you can make a big difference in society. And to see that even though our platform is the same, the way it's implemented in different markets, is quite different and yet it's still relevant. Just playing around with that diversity and getting to interact with all those different cultures. So, for me, the one word I'd use to describe it is exciting.
0: Yeah, it is quite exciting, especially like you really have the chance of working in different sectors and meeting all these new people and trying to really bring these ideas into life from the get go, I think. So, that's quite exciting. Also, like maybe from your experience also working in Southeast Asia and other markets. What's your sense about bringing in those ideas in? Or what's the sense of for innovators that would like to bring new ideas? What do you think is so different and makes Africa so unique in terms of markets? And what's the sense in terms of also how you help them out, make those businesses a realities and their ideas a reality than anywhere else in the world where you work thus far?
1: So I think the market reality is you're, you're fighting against the status quo in whatever you do. And in a culture that is sometimes a bit slower to embrace change, you really have to work with ideas that people can resonate with, that people can understand. That's one of the main differences. One of the big differences is in this market, if I compare it to San Francisco, which is a very fast market where people are always looking for that new idea, I found that people in Africa are actually a lot more loyal to the products that they know and they trust. And so if you can build that brand, then people do tend to warm up to it over time. It can take longer to build an audience, but absolutely you can introduce something to the market that's sticky and that people want, and that can be adopted. So I'd say that's one of the main differences.
0: Yeah, loyalty and really believing in the ideas that they bring forward and they come to fund the fund to make sure that they can come into reality. So. Maybe do you have any specific experience or idea that you worked with other young minds like yourselves on with, through ThunderFound Fund that you like to share with our audience? So among the different sectors, or mm-hmm. what like really struck you, and whenever you talk about it, it's something that you always bring as an experience that makes you keep going and working in this sector
1: so because it's working in tech and you can see things working quickly being in this space the the change that you can see it's really solving a a problem and so that's the thing that can keep you going especially during the difficult days right and we see entrepreneurs all the time that they always meet crowdfunding with skepticism that it's not something they've come across before they don't know if it can work it's something new and something scary and what we see is what once we've taken them through a couple of training and were able to just encourage them and show them the different success stories on the platform, that once they've embraced it, there's really a good chance of them succeeding. And I really believe anyone, lots of entrepreneurs across the continent can embrace crowdfunding and succeed. And really, if you go to a bank, they're expecting so much from you. There's lots of validations you need to prove. And one thing we're doing with crowdfunding is we're creating that stepping stone that, Maybe you're not quite ready with your idea to raise formal capital, but with a bit of encouragement from individuals around the world, those ideas can really take off. So we've just been encouraged to see that actually a lot of young entrepreneurs across the continent can succeed despite having the doubts and not having that much of an understanding of digital to begin
0: with. Interesting, embracing digital. So do you have a story perhaps of a company a young startup in Africa that you helped, you know, thrive through a Thunder Fund that you'd like to share with us today.
1: Just last week, there's this young lady from Gambia who was running a food packaging, processing, and delivery service. Uh, just getting started on the idea, came to crowdfunding for the first time, and simply through sharing the, the link with her network and raising awareness, she was actually able to, to purchase a storage facility and get that business off the ground. So we're we're really happy. The simple act of creating your story and sharing it with your friends can really help a business to, to kick off. And we often think crowdfunding is a lot more than the funds that are raised. It's actually the crowd that you build around it. And that crowd often becomes loyal followers. They become your customers, they become your supporters and your encouragement. On the other side we were working with a Facebook Live group called For the People by the People, which is focusing largely on Gambian diaspora. Just talking about our product uh, to people who are interested in Gambia and want to know what's happening. We actually got a lot of phone calls from them to ask, how can I invest in local businesses? Who can I support through this platform? So we're always amazed by the generosity on one side and the innovation of the African entrepreneurs on the other.
0: Wow, yeah, that's so exciting to hear. Like one of the elements that we always think about is how do we make sure that also local communities are fully embedded and engaged in whatever development solution we may bring forward through our work. Especially now with the new excitement that you may have when it comes to expanding your business to an LDC, like the Gambia, do you sense any difference between what you've worked on in Kenya or in South Africa? You sense a little bit of a different approach that maybe West African culture as well can bring in when it comes to innovation when it comes to crowdfunding even.
1: Sure. Let me start with an example. So if we think about Uber a technology that many people are aware of, if I order an Uber in the UK, I expect the driver to show up and drive me to my destination, the payment's going to be automatic and it's going to be a, a smooth process. If I do the same thing in Kenya, I'm going to get a phone call from the driver to confirm where I am, where I'm going, and they'll be expecting a payment to come through mobile payment. It's not going to be automatic. So same technology applied in a different way. And I think that's similar. We have one platform, Thunderfund, serving South Africa, Kenya, and the Gambia. And despite having the same platform, South Africans want to self-register. They want to do a lot of personalization on the campaign. They've had more experience in digital technology that enables them to to really jump at it quicker. In Kenya, people are happy to explore, but they need it to be optimized for mobile. So we have to have USSD, we have to have mobile payments, things like that. In Gambia, there's a lot less understanding of what the digital products can offer. And so we have to provide more hands-on support, more training. And actually what makes Gambia unique is we have a a network of field agents who help people. And once they're online and once they understand how it's done, they are able to reach out to the networks and they are able to to get some traction. There's a bit more hesitancy to digital payments. So I see it more as a a scale that every country is capable of implementing such a, a technology and a platform and how it's done just requires a heavier touch approach. And so crowdfunding really benefits from digital payments being there in the society, internet access, social media, e commerce. All of those innovations that already exist really help create the environment for, for crowdfunding to thrive.
0: Hey, talking about innovation, and as a youth leader yourself in this challenging arena, what does that mean to you? What does innovation mean to you? And why do you think access to capital is so necessary to drive it?
1: Yeah, thanks for that. So innovation to me is all about positive change. It's trying to change something for the better and to do that at scale, it has to involve technology. So if we look at crowdfunding, then as I was just explaining the appearance of mobile money, of social media and internet access, all enabling factors for crowdfunding, which can help businesses to access funding and also develop their markets at scale. Capital is necessary because capital enables companies to take bigger risks. If we don't have risk, then we're not going to see much innovation. So it's necessary to allow entrepreneurs, free thinkers to explore their ideas. There's no guarantee of success. And I'd say innovation is inherently risky and we need to enable that. But the upside of that risk can be phenomenal transformation in a society.
0: Yeah, it's a very nice image that you brought forward, the change that you can bring through like a very simple idea and just with the right tools. And most of the times people do not necessarily have access to this could really change a lot in those realities that we see every day. So we're approaching the 50N conference for the least developed countries, which is a massive event, massive endeavor to really define the priority areas for the LDCs for the next 10 years especially in the lead up to the 2030 agenda. What do you think can be the key priorities that development practitioners like us should be focusing on in the next decade?
1: Sure. So I think one of the first things is not to underestimate the power of the local market, that there's a lot of talent, a lot of entrepreneurship, a lot of creativity across Africa that can really be tapped into and I do think there's a lot to be said for for entrepreneurship and digitization. When it comes to digitization, that's how I believe Africa can leapfrog and really jump ahead in terms of innovation and actually not just playing catch up, but to also offer something unique to the rest of the world and be able to showcase what Africa is capable of. So investing in those digital technologies is the first step. And Through entrepreneurship, I I think that's one of the best ways we can tackle youth unemployment, Uh, especially after COVID. I I see that first there was the health crisis, but now in the aftermath, of course, we're going to see depressed economies and all that. And because Africa has got such a vibrant and youthful population, then if we can empower entrepreneurs and help to stimulate businesses in the economy, then I think we'll see uh, that recovery become much faster and hopefully that economic growth to be seen pretty quick. So for me, those two priority areas would be digitization and entrepreneurship. And of course, crowdfunding comes into that.
0: What about the barriers to those? Do you think there are any barriers and how can we as development practitioners really try to tackle them? When we talk about entrepreneurship, where we talk about digitization, the capital element that really drives the ideas is one element, but what's your view in other barriers, especially from the experience of COVID and what it brought forward? Do you think there's others that we should be focusing on?
1: Sure. And I've been fortunate to be uh, working in Gambia because it's a smaller market. I think you can really see what the needs and the opportunities are. And so for us, the local partners and have been really key. Digitization is not going to happen in isolation. It requires people working in different spaces. So we need mobile money to be embraced. We need e-commerce, internet access. All of those elements work together to enable businesses, individuals, organizations to each benefit and to serve each other. And on the entrepreneurship side, it's not just access to finance. I think that's one part of what's needed. There's also the access to information and the access to the market. And again, social media is an amazing way for businesses to reach their market. But if I'm looking around the Gambia, most businesses only use WhatsApp and Facebook for personal needs, and they haven't yet seen the opportunity of what social media can do for their own businesses. And so that's something we bring into our own training. And yeah, like for me, we're just one player. We we need all the support we can get to actually facilitate this. We, we can't solve all the problems. And so we need a lot of collaboration with development actors, as well as with other digital and technology players to develop that ecosystem that can help the entrepreneurship
0: to thrive. Indeed. Yeah. Partnerships to be key in creating an enabling environment for businesses to thrive. And I think you touched upon a very key element that sometimes is overlooked at, because it's not only capital, but also a capacity development component that comes to it, bringing in Southern perspectives, making sure that those that are out there fully embrace the new ideas and the new concept that you bring forward to make a change for the lives of the communities.
1: Sorry, even in our case, we, we launched it in, in South Africa because it was quite an obvious market. We. Wouldn't have been able to move into Kenya if it wasn't through partnerships. And the same with Gambia, we weren't working with UNCDF. There's no way we could have tried crowdfunding and we've been pleasantly surprised at how well it's been taken. And there's factors we wouldn't have considered just like 23% of GDP in Gambia is from remittances. So the diaspora is a huge market for us to tap into. That's something we wouldn't have learned unless we had that partnership to, to work with and to learn those lessons.
0: So what is your suggestion then to funders that may want to start investing in these emerging markets? What are some key tips that you'd like to share to the audience that may be willing or may be thinking about investing in LDCs or Africa in general?
1: I think it's traversed strategically across uh, a range of different actors. As I said, the, the different actors need each other and we need lots of different solutions. The best solutions I've seen is when the private and public actors can actually work well together to share our ideas. We as a startup can move quickly, we can innovate, we can try new things and learn quickly, but we don't have the capacity to do a lot of the work that is needed to really take this off the ground. So for me, it's really about that strategizing and investing across the innovative, potentially risky projects that can really lead to deep systemic change overall.
0: Yeah, indeed. Let's take those risks together and let's try to make a change as much as possible step by step on the ground so thanks so much matt we've talked about entrepreneurship we've talked about digitization we've talked about crowdfunding and importance of public and private partnership to make a change for the lives of the people that we serve do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to share before closing off
1: Yeah, my my final thought is really not to underestimate. A lot of businesses can do so much more than they believe. And really the main thing they benefit from is actually that confidence booster. And knowing that you have individuals supporting you can be so critical to a business's success and even motivation. I just want to encourage all the young people out there that you can actually make a difference. And, you know, I really hope that we can build this ecosystem that does support young people because I do think they are the future. And youth unemployment can really be turned into an opportunity as long as we embrace entrepreneurship and technology. So that's really my final word
0: on what Thanks so much, Matt. And thank you for joining us today. And thanks to our audience for joining us on UNCDR podcast Capital Music. Once again, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. If you found this episode useful, please spread the word on Twitter with the hashtag Capital Musings, or leave us a review. Reviews help us and new listeners discover our podcast. So if you enjoyed listening, please leave a review. Thanks, and until next time.